It's episode 16 here at the Catching Up Podcast with Connor and Nick, and we're starting off today's show talking about the brand new Instagram TV and how it's going to rival YouTube. Next, we talk about how much you should be worrying about your direct competition and talking about that with your employees. The third topic comes from a reader at FoundersLive.com, and we're talking about rookie misconceptions about being an entrepreneur. And lastly, we're ending the show talking about Seattle startup City Builder and how they are adding a feature to be evaluating selling your home and getting a better price for that. Thanks for watching episode 16 of the Catching Up podcast. We'd love to hear your comments, tweets, direct messages, responses here on Anchor. We'd love to hear from you about your thoughts about any of these topics. Thank you for listening to us each and every week here on the show. Enjoy. Good morning, Nick Hughes. How are you doing today? Hey, Connor. Uh, doing well, man. Good. Yeah. Good to hear from you. Um, it, it blows my mind every week when we get to Friday morning and I wake up and I'm just like, oh my gosh, like it's podcast recording day. <laughs> and it's it already just seems, Friday. It's already Friday. Yeah. And, and I kind of have something scheduled like this almost every day of the week. And so my week's really dictated by like these these shows and these segments that I do. Uh, so every time I wake up, it's just like, wow, I can't believe it's Friday again, how quickly it goes. Um, but we are in episode 16 here at the Catching Up podcast, which kind of like blows my mind to think about some of the, the first weeks of us doing the show and how many problems, technical problems we had. Uh, mm-hmm. So this is probably more like the 18th or 19th, but I know we had a couple of weeks where we couldn't even get the show out. Uh, because we didn't even know how to use the software. Um, but hey, can can we give a little shout out to Anchor that seems like they cleaned up their act a little bit? Yeah, big <laughs> shout out to Anchor. I mean, they've just provided us such an easy tool for any of you guys listening. Like starting this podcast really just took a little bit of brainstorming from Nick and I, and we've done the show in other iterations before, so it's been pretty easy. But Anchor has just makes it so simple for us to record the conversation. I can add that music transition. I record the introduction after and I write up the bio and the title and I can publish it out. And you know, it takes me minutes to get this episode out. And it's really just incredible what they've invented. I hope they can stick around. Yeah. Yeah. This is great, man. Uh, How's world cup going for you? It is awesome. I'm actually sitting on my couch right now. Uh, Iceland and Nigeria are about to start the second half. It is 0-0. But this morning, um, I was up at 5 a.m. to watch Brazil knock out Costa Rica. And they didn't score the two goals until after 90 minutes. So it was very much of a slow game, um, but fast-paced ending, uh, which has been fun. I mean, I just love her right now. It's such a fun day. It's it's crazy. Like, it gets to 1 o'clock and soccer's over for the day after I've been – you know, consumed with it all morning. And it is kind of deflating at the end of the day. It's like, oh, there's no more like of this excitement going on. I got to go like get on with the rest of my day. Um, And so, but that's just the scheduling. It's so much better like it was four years ago when it's on a schedule that matches our schedule. Yeah, look, I I haven't not been watching very much and a lot of it is the morning schedule. And my assumption is ratings are down in the US because of that, but uh, and also us is not in it. So that's kind of troublesome, but, um, yeah, I, if I remember four years ago, we watched a lot of games together and mm-hmm. it was because they were mid to late day and it was such a 
it, I don't know. Just for me, it's my mornings are a lot more important and I get stuff done and it's hard to like get, you know, wake up early and then get the games and play like just in the morning and, but you're doing it, man. You're making it happen. Yeah. And it, and it has been difficult kind of, you know, for most mornings I sit here, not that, that 5am game, I'm like 95% asleep for, for most <laughs> of that game. I just kind of like turn it a little louder. So I know if something happens, I come out of any sleep that I'm in. Uh, but the game that starts like right now, by eight, nine o'clock, I usually just sit here with my computer and work on emails or work on design or whatever projects I have. Um, and then the second game, or I'm sorry, the third game, by the time halftime comes around, I'm like, all right, I have an hour until I really have to like hit my stride. So usually at the halftime, I do uh, like a planning session about like, all right, for the next four hours after this game, what are the most important things that I got to get done? Right. Um and kind of relating to some of the topics we have here coming up today, that's exactly a bunch of the stuff that I've been working on. Nice, nice. And so well, you want yeah. to kick us off today? Yeah, you know, um, the moment I saw this, I thought of you. Uh, the the new news of Instagram and IGTV, uh, basically it's, let's just call it a YouTube rival. Um, you know, they're, they've rolled out a, a new offer and you you'll be able to dive deeper in the technology and the what's going on here, but you know, they're opening up. So it's basically up to an hour's worth of video and they're really driving into more or less, you know, video, like a video platform and an immersive experience uh, that basically is YouTube, but quote, you know, better and on Instagram. And it's actually going to be its own app as well. But do you think that one, this is a great move for Instagram and two, do you think uh, it rivals and could possibly overtake YouTube? Uh, So I definitely think it's a good kind of the obvious move for Instagram to move into, right? Like as thinking about who else that they can reach and how they can keep people engaged on the platform. I think it, 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 it was the logical move. And a couple of weeks ago, I, I wanted to share on the show that there was a rumor that Instagram was going to allow 60 minute videos. And I didn't end up sharing it because it was just a rumor. And I'm glad I didn't because now it came to this and it's actually way more extensive um, of, a, of an offering, right? They're really trying to make it a channel and it, and it does feel a lot like YouTube where you're going to create a channel and people... I, I'm hoping will like subscribe or come to your channel. They, they still have a lot of UI things that they need to work out. Uh, yeah. But I, I think it's a huge opportunity. I freaked out when it came out. Um, so it came out on Wednesday. And yesterday I launched my first episode of what I call Find Me in Se- the Find Me in Seattle show, which is something I've been working on. I've been using Instagram stories for the last six months where I've been editing a lot of the story where I've been mm-hmm. adding music to it and transitions and like really trying to take you through the course of my day. So if I go to a coffee shop in the morning and then I try to set up some transition B-roll with music and then I go to the next spot. Um, and so this was kind of, I feel like I've been practicing for this. So it was really easy for me to crank out a two and a half minute fully edited vlog yesterday. Um, and I put it out there and not a lot of people have the skill set or experience to like really put together a TV show. And so I am yeah. super excited because I think I really do have the ability to separate myself on this platform from a lot of people. Cause right now what people are uploading is the same content that's on stories or they're yeah. uploading. I'm at a loss you there, bud. 
Oh, there you are. You're back. Sorry, I'm, my phone started. And so I just think it's a really big opportunity, and I'm really excited about it. And uh, the one the one downside that I know I've been talking for a while is that Instagram has created the psychology of quick viewing, right? Mm-hmm. With these 15-second stories especially has made it even worse that people aren't familiar going on the platform and spending more than one minute on a single piece of content. And yeah, I'm just going to stop right there and just say, I think the, that is an interesting point that over time we will find out if that is actually the crux of the success or failure, because people are, you know, YouTube people are trained from the beginning, literally 2005, 2006, you know, you go on there for longer form video and, you know, YouTube's always been the destination for that. And as you know, Facebook came out, then Instagram came out, people just, you know, swipe, they scroll there. It's really like, it's, you know, five second pockets of attention. Uh, You're standing in line at a grocery store or whatnot. And I am curious if there's a way that Instagram will be able to have those users be able to stand there for five, 10, 20, maybe an hour and watch that video. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think there's a big opportunity here for Founders Live to Mm-hmm. to put some of your shows uh, from the events up on this platform. Like at least as a teaser, you don't have to put the entire thing up there. Um, but just oh, a way sure. to siphon off some attention that's going on there. Yeah, for sure. Uh, that's, that, that's pay attention coming down <laughs> the line at some point. Yes. Um, so, but... so regarding pay, or did you have one more thought about IDTV? No, no. Uh, no, let's continue. So related to the concept of kind of paying attention and, and what other people are doing, I heard this story from, uh, this person who works in tech uh, and they work in sales. And, I, and I'm not going to mention the company uh, for anyone that's listening here, but they have an upcoming, uh, it's not a conference, but it is a summit for their sales team. And what they're going to do is they're actually spending the summit focusing on their competitor and like analyzing the competitor and, and just being on top of what that other company is doing. Um, so they can talk about it. And I, and I assume it's for when they're in sales, they can kind of understand that they're being evaluated from the customer point of view against the competitor. So how do they mitigate some of the things that are different? Uh, and so, Nick, kind of my question for you is, what do you think about that story? Like, do you think that companies should be worrying that much that they dedicate an entire day to bring their sales force together to like really understand the competition or should you just keep your head down and, and run in your lane? Yeah, you know, it's kind of in the middle of both <laughs> because I feel it, that's a slippery slope, you know, especially if you as a leadership and depending on how large this company is, if you're, if you're setting the tone that, Hey, employees, we really need to be uh, aware and concerned of our competitors. Uh, you're possibly sliding in. Um, I would say a questionable habit, that you just don't want your you don't want your employees and your entire company so concerned about the competition but on the other side you know this is just an intelligence thing right you know you the more you know and are aware of your competition in your market the i think to an extent the better decisions you're going to make and you're going to you know it helps to differentiate your product so one there's one aspect of like concerned and worried and anxious about your competitors and there's another thing of just understanding their product offering so well and understanding your product offering so well that you know where you sit and how to leverage that for in a sales experience. Mm-hmm. So I kind of think it's bold. I, think I actually, I would lean on, this is an intelligent 
um, decision, but I would just caution the leadership to be careful on letting the entire company know, like, look, this is, we're doing this for a day, but we're not concerned every single day about what our competitors are doing, who's their customers, what's their stock price at, wh- how big are they, blah, blah, blah. Like it, that can get a little unhealthy, I think. Yeah, I, I think it's very unhealthy. And when I first heard this, I, I was very surprised uh, mm-hmm. because, yeah, you're talking about like, it, it really comes down to communication about what all the employees are thinking about this. And it, it was just very, I was very curious to hear that a company's going to put this much resources into it. Like it's one thing if it's a memo, right? Put out a memo, but to like really spend a, a day with everyone on the team to dissect everything that's going on. I think it's a little too much. The, the big thing is if that competitor finds out that that is happening, that's going to really inflate their ego. I, I would be so excited to find out that one of my yeah. competitors was spending an entire day uh, like dissecting me. Right. Yeah. And, and instead of spending the time, like building relationships with their customers or uh, improving their product, they're actually just going to focus on what their competitors doing. Uh, I feel like that is kind of a, a very defensive move. And yeah. uh, usually I would say you want to stay on the offense, but, but when it comes down to it, it's one day, it's probably not going to affect them all that dramatically and it, and it is good to know especially if you have young salespeople, about what's going on in the industry yeah. well and this brings up an interesting uh thought and transition of um you know there's a post on uh founders live um we we pushed this out i think it was last week um you know uh what's one thing you thought about entrepreneurship early on but now as you're further down the road it's different and you know this could be summed up as what what are what would be like a rookie mistake that comes to mind uh, for you, uh, Connor, whether you made the mistake or you see others, you know, in, in terms of founders and entrepreneurship? Working with local businesses, I have this phrase that I, I use a lot, especially because I work with brick and mortar businesses. And I don't mean to offend anyone who's, who's a fantastic baker out there. It's just uh, when I first got within the industry, that's cupcakes were booming in the city. And there were a lot of really good cupcakes and there were a lot of cupcake companies coming out. Uh, but now here in 2018, there, there's very few of those cupcake companies left. So, so I always use this phrase, especially talking with newer business owners, which, which is pretty much me as well, is just because you can bake a really good cupcake or even the best cupcake doesn't mean that you can run a cupcake business and then uh-huh. or try to run the best cupcake businesses because they're two very different skill sets and uh you know doing the administrative work hiring people thinking about marketing thinking about sales are all they they become just as important as developing the product and so you need to find ways that you either outsource or you find support to do those things that you're not good at because if baking the cupcake is the thing that you want to stay involved in creating a business might not be the best thing because very quickly you're not going to be baking cupcakes anymore. You're going to be doing all of the other business work and you won't be banking as much. Man, that's such a great point. And that can be applied to so many different industries and businesses. And I, I, I see it a lot too. It's just, it's amazing. And it's ironic because you know, the great cupcakes come first and then they're like, well, let's build a company. And so I think the lesson is, um, you know, finding help and rounding out your team 
so that the right people are on in in the operational team to it, allow it to excel. Certainly, you know? um, certainly. So, so what's uh what's one of your rookie misconceptions? Well, I I mean I answered this by just saying that it's I it's I I found that overnight success takes like ten years, you know, and yeah. you know, like you know. I think we've covered on a topic like this before is what would you tell your way much younger self? And it, I, you know, in the end it's man, you know, it's like weirdly harder than you ever thought. But in the same time, the moment you find what's working, it becomes all interestingly easy. And that's where, where overnight success really is. It takes nine and a half years or nine and three quarters years to figure out what you're doing and what's the successful, uh, you know, like, recipe and and formula and then all of a sudden you see like this growth and and so i think the big rookie mistake is you know reading TechCrunch and all this crap you you think it's going to be easy and you think it's going to happen quickly and unfortunately and most of the time it doesn't but that does not mean that you're not progressing it's just the external validations and whether it's you know money or you know uh being um, recognized or um, growth in your project or company, those external metrics might not be moving, but you internally are absolutely changing and learning how to be a successful entrepreneur. So that is a weird thing, but I didn't understand it until now I'm down the road and starting to see some, you know, some success and some things happening. And it's like, oh, these books that I was reading literally eight to 10 years ago are now coming together to actually allow me to be successful it's crazy yeah it's a long journey right and and it it's really the course of an entire lifetime mm-hmm. that all this comes to fruition and these things that you learned so long ago might not apply for a long time especially early on in, in your entrepreneurial career and and you and I both know that there's still so much to learn well and this is why it just pisses me off uh, actually it really pisses me off about like the way that you know like in the Instagram story and, you know, even, even Zuckerberg and Facebook, you know, those are such exceptions. Uh, Snapchat, you know, th- look, I, you know, maybe Evan has some issues and maybe college was tough for him, but he has had an easy road, you know, like, you know, launching something that quickly out of college and instantly raising money. I'm sure there was six months a year where they were like, we don't know if this is going to work, but dude, it's like, those stories that are totally celebrated do a disservice to all of us that are like, you know, the thousands or hundreds of millions of people that are trying to create things that take time. And so we think we're losers because we're not a billionaire yet. And that's, that's bullshit. (laughs) Yeah. And and that's what we talk about on founders live and really just about how this path is long. This path takes effort. It takes a lot of work and it's sometimes painful, but if if you keep going and listen to the market and adjust where you need to, you will progress and you will be successful, but you're probably not going to be the quote Instagram, you know, one to two years to a billion dollar exit. You know, I'm sorry. Like that is just, that is not reality. Uh, yet TechCrunch likes to write about it. Like it is. Yes. It, it gets a lot of clicks and, and, and it kind of is like the new American dream. That's, yeah. that's a lot less possible than the old American dream, which is <laughs> no. just, you know, getting a job. And, and so kind of a, a follow-up question to that, do you think there's going to be, we're, we're kind of like in this entrepreneur generation right now, mm-hmm. right? And, and there's a lot of young, like big tech CEOs who are becoming really famous and successful. Is there, 
do you think in another 10 years, there's going to be another generation of entrepreneurs who are going through a lot of failures right now, right? They're, they're the ones who are going to sprout up 10 years later and build something. And they'll be like, oh, like these are the guys that, you know, when the big young guns were coming up, these were the guys failing, but they learned a lot of lessons. And so now they're starting to have more success, you know, as technology evolves. Uh, so, I, yeah, I would, I would actually agree with that, that there will be a segment five, 10, 15 years down the road that, that are, are tougher and stronger and they've built that scar tissue and muscle. Um, and I think just like, you know, let's tie it back to, I do, it, it's so amazing and interesting with a lot of, you know, this, like things like Instagram TV. Well, that is essentially a platform to allow innovative, creative, entrepreneurial type people to experiment. I mean, that, that's amazing, right? If you think about it. Uh, so I believe there, I, I have said this from day one, the quote classification of entrepreneurs in this world is so off. Like, I think it's orders of magnitude off. Mm-hmm. There's, there's articles that say entrepreneurship is on a decline. I totally disagree. And I, you look at how many, especially like your generation that are totally messing around and, you know, um, what I mean, I mean that good, like messing around, experimenting with Snapchat, with um, Instagram, you know, running businesses on Instagram, though they're not even qualified or qualified. They're not even falling into the category of quote entrepreneur based on what, you know, um, you know, Forrester is researching or whoever, you know, um, whoever might be providing that research. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So if you take that to the next level, let's go 10 years out. There is going to be a huge segment of people that have spent 10 years experimenting and testing and, running little startup concepts and they're going to, they're going to learn. And then they're going to turn in, they're going to turn into a big company. They're going to realize like, Oh, I did this. I did that. That didn't work, but this worked. And now I'm going to go grow this. I mean, that's basically what I'm doing. I I've been testing and trying things for 10 years and now it's actually happening. So um, I just, I feel like we are in an entrepreneurial golden age and I'm excited to see what happens in the next 10 years. Yeah. So let's talk about one more uh, possibly golden age entrepreneur that both of you and I know. Uh, but yeah. there's this company here in Seattle called City Builder. And they have done very well here in the last, I guess, year or two. And for those of you who aren't aware of what City Builder does is they provide this estimating software uh, originally to help more commercial real estate, like evaluate properties and find out like what the market value is and what the estimated property value is so they can, you know, put up one of these big buildings that have uh, offices and retail shops and uh, not necessarily um, homes. You know, it's kind of a, a bigger scale than what Zillow or Redfin would do. But this week, GeekWire reported that City Builder is actually going to get into the home buying business. And so it looks like what they're initially starting to do is provide a tool for someone who owns a home. I assume this home can only be in certain areas, but now they can say, hey, instead of selling your home to like another home buyer, you might actually be able to sell your home to a commercial real estate developer 
and get way more value because if they build this giant building on the property that brings in more revenue, then they're going to make a lot more money. And so I thought this was very interesting. The headline actually caught my eye because it made it sound like they were actually going to be buying their own houses, which which maybe they are because that's probably a good investment on their own. Just to they're in the property estimating game. If they can get the finances, um, buying properties, you know, a lot of times a good investment, especially if it's it's almost they got to eat their own dog food, right? If they're saying, hey, this is a good investment, maybe they should just buy it themselves. Uh, but Nick, kind of, what do you think about this change? And, and you might have just some information about City Builder that you might want to share with the people listening. Yeah. So I, Brian and I are great friends. Brian Copley, he's, he's a great CEO and founder here in Seattle. And um, I've actually sat down and, and had a uh, Founders Live Conversations uh, recorded video interview with him. So um, that. If you're interested in the longer story of City Builder, you should jump on Founders Live and check that out. But, um, you know, I, I knew this was coming down the line, and I think it's – I actually think it's a great idea. I, you know, they're basically in, – in this little article, it describes how, look, most, most experiences are you own a home, and it's like, oh, we're going to put it for sale, and, you know, some other family buys it, and they live in it. And what city builder is doing is saying, no, here's, a, there's other opportunities, which what they're driving into is actually multi, um, multi-unit residential buildings. And if you understand the trend, uh, with people move, you know, the Metro trends and the, or, you know, very urban development, it, you know, basically all, you know, we're going from single homes on a, on a plot of land to multi-unit and people have their own opinion on if that's great or not or what's needed on that front but what city builder is really doing is really helping property and house owners get a lot more money for their property if it can be brokered by city builder because city builder turns around and sells it to big developers to develop the multi-unit residential buildings and so uh, city builder is basically buying that unit from that individual or that family and then turning around and selling it to the developers. And so I just see it as, uh, I think it's interesting. They're basically probably, it's probably, they're probably finding 25% to 30% more, if not, you know, higher, um, you know, uh, profit on these properties. And I think it's a great idea and, you know, we'll see how scalable it can be and it might be incredibly scalable, but you know, city builder is um, it's, it's definitely a dark horse from Seattle that, I would not bet against Brian. So hopefully he's, hopefully he's listening. Yeah. And, he, and he's one of those entrepreneurs that, I mean, I remember seeing him pitch rebels at mm-hmm. feature Friday years ago. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So he's one of those founders who have gone through the trenches and, and dug himself out of the mud because he's been doing this for a while. Um, oh, yeah. So, and now he's starting to get some traction and yeah, they're not going to be this big consumer facing product uh, that a lot of people know about, but at least within the current real estate market, they're, they're going to do pretty well for themselves. Yep. Yep. Perfect. Well, that concludes episode 16 here of the catching up podcast with Connor and Nick. Nick, do you have any parting words for those that are listening here today? Well, have a good weekend. Um, if you haven't checked out founders live, jump on there. A lot of great information such as um, this conversation, many other videos, articles, you know, posts and a lot of uh, great stuff from our members. And then um, 
if you're in Seattle next Thursday, the 28th, we have Founders Live Seattle. So hopefully I can see you there. Perfect. I know I will be there. So that'll be a good episode next week where we'll talk about the winner. Uh, but yeah, you can find me at Find Me in Seattle. Make sure to go watch my first episode of the Find Me in Seattle show on Instagram TV. I'd love to hear your feedback and let let me know how I can improve on my story stuff storytelling skills and i hope you enjoy the rest of your day thank you so much for listening to our show and we will see you next week peace